the life of Klal Yisrael is the life of the bias, the Jewish home. It is the home which preserves our sense of self. When we enter the great big outside world, the Olam, which holds all sorts of opportunities and promise for great achievement, well, for all of that opportunity and promise, it is easy to lose ourselves in the hubbub of the outside world, to lose perspective regarding who we are, what we are trying to achieve, what is actually the vision behind everything we're doing. Here's where the bias, the home, comes into the picture. Preserving that sense of self in the privacy of the home, the sacred sanctum of the home. Self, the relationships which are nearest and dearest to me. Nishama, spirituality, all of that is maintained. That inner sense of self, which bias preserves, allows us to be matzliach in the outside world. Keeping our vision, what we're trying to achieve, intact. This whole thing is deeply relevant to Hanukkah and our battle with the Yavanim. You see, the Yavanim represent or really worship beauty, image, glitz, everything which is attractive. Ichitsonius, superficiality, that which is outside. The chitsonius, the glitz, which really strangles and stuffs out any sense of plenius, any sense of neshama, any sense of self. And this is why the Yavanim attacked the whole concept of bias with particular fury and fierceness. For example, we have the record in the Gemara of the Gzeira the decree called Tivola Hegman Tchila. Each Kala, the night of her wedding, was first violated by the Yavani general or prince. In so doing, through this violation, tampering with the Kedusha Sabais, the sanctity of the home, from its inception, from the inception of Jewish marriage, the Yavanim were undermining the bias and the sanctity of bias, which I think goes beyond the issue of Arayos and marriage, but more broadly, the entire concept of bias, of privacy, of sense of self. This Tivola Hegman Tchila, this decree to violate the young maiden is merely one example. There are other expressions of this fierce attack on bias. For example, the Yavanim breached the walls of the base Hamekdash, it seems to me the breaching of the walls of the Beis HaMikdash was an attempt to undermine the concept of an inner sanctum of Avoda, a Beis HaMikdash as an Abayas, a private home where Hashem and Klal Yisrael bond together 
and come together. So whether it is the grand base hamikdash or whether it is the individual bias, the Jewish home, the Ivanim seek to undermine everything it represents. The entire Jewish concept of meaning, purpose, that which is most innate and inward. And we have a splendid fusion of these two, both the Yavanim's attack on Jewish marriage and the Yavanim's attack on the Beis HaMikdash in the mitzvah of Nerchanukah each year. Because on one hand, the Nerchanukah is clearly commemorating the reinauguration of the Beis HaMikdash, as the very word Hanukkah reflects. We are lighting the menorah to commemorate the nisim of the original menorah. So on one hand, we are capturing the Beis HaMikdash and its avodah. But on the other hand, we are focused on the individual Jewish home because it's a mitzvah of nereshubeso. It's a mitzvah of the family. It is not a mitzvah performed by individuals, but a mitzvah performed by each family. Strictly, halachically speaking, one menorah suffices per, dwell, per family unit. A family dwells together as one, one menorah suffices. It's not a mitzvah of individuals. It's a mitzvah of bias as in household, and it's also a mitzvah of bias as in physical house. The menorah is placed either inside or outside immediately adjacent to the physical bias. And the mashmos, the implication from Tosis and various Rishonim is that if somebody would Khalila be homeless and not have a home, they actually would not be obligated in the mitzvah of menorah. So here we have the mitzvah of menorah is a mitzvah of bias, both in terms of bias the home and in terms of the family unit and as a mitzvah performed by the family unit and also mitzvah of bias as in a mitzvah performed in the house or adjacent to the house outside. This is the representation of the Jewish family in conjunction with the Beis HaMikdash. Everything menorah symbolizes. When we each light the menorah as a bias, we are really saying that each individual bias has a base hamikdash like sanctity. And we are celebrating in unison the triumph of base hamikdash and the trial of the individual bias, both as bottom, both as places of inner sanctums, which preserve themselves against the insidious Yavani attack to undermine them, to undermine the very concept of an inner world and meaning, to drown it out in the glitz and the image and everything which an external superficial world worships. And there are other expressions and manifestations of this theme of Hanukkah as a yantaf of bias. Let's appreciate, for example, the role of women on Hanukkah. Women who are, of course, the guardians of bias. The very embodiments of everything of biases, as the nurturers, as those who preserve an inner sense of self, not only personally, they themselves in their own snares, but really in their, in their role as nurturers, Bezos who cultivate a sense of 
inner peace and tranquility bias within all of us. Why do I say that women have particular connections to the Yontif of Hanukkah? Because we know the Gemara teaches us that even though Hanukkah and Menorah are mitzvahs, Asesha's man, Grama, time-bound mitzvahs, women are obligated because Afin Hanes, which according to some Rishonah means they had a primary role in the miracle of Hanukkah. We know the story of Yehudas on Hanukkah, the great heroine Yehudas. Well, she symbolizes the role of women on Hanukkah, and hence women for all time are obligated in the mitzvahs of Hanukkah, such as Menorah, despite its time-bound mitzvah characteristic, Mitzvah Makroma. Well, more than simply a legalistic principle, that here women are obligated because they had a role, there must be something more innate to all of this, women and Hanukkah. It's not a coincidence that it just happened to be a woman played a primary role and therefore women for all time observe this mitzvah. But rather, this yantif is very much a yantif about women because it is a yantif of bias. And this becomes even more apparent when we delve one level deeper into the actual story of Yehudas within the greater epic of Hanukkah. Because let's appreciate what happened. Yehudas was one of those maidens, one of those kalos, who the hegmon, the Greek official, sought to violate. And what did she do? She fed him cheeses and the like to make him drowsy, and then she killed him. She slayed him. Well, what is so remarkable about the story is that it is so reminiscently similar to a story in the Navi. The story in Sefer Shoftim of Yael. We know Yael in Sefer Shoftim was the heroine who slayed the enemy general Sisera. And how did she do it? She also fed him dairy products, as the Navi tells us. Fed Sisera hull of milk, made him drowsy, and killed him. And again, the, the um, pieces on the table are so similar between these two stories. Yehudis and Yael, respectively. Both of them are using wine, are using milk, I apologize, or cheese, against vain men. And on both stories, these are men who enter their inner sanctum, who seek to violate them, as evidence from a deeper study of both respective stories. And they both use milk. Milk, 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 or cheese, 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 all over the place. In all of these stories involving heroic women. Why? It's again not just a coincidence. There's a symbolism to it. And the symbolism is because of milk, of course, is the symbol of maternity, of a mother. And everything a mother is as a nurturer. Think of your mother's milk and that first experience, that bonding experience between child and mother. She is the nurturer in the formative experience of nursing her baby and remains a nurturer 
in, his, in the child's life, his or her life, forevermore. Milk is the very expression of an Isha and an Isha in her role as basis of Isha. So both women who are fighting for the very concept of Jewish femininity, but more broadly defending the bias from violation, be it in the Navi, the story of Yael, or in the story of Hanukkah, Yehudas, they express themselves through a cup of milk or a piece of cheese. Chalav. The evocative symbol of Isha and bias. So here we have it. So many puzzle pieces of Hanukkah fit right into place. Be it the menorah as a mitzvah of bias. Be it Hanukkah as a story involving the breaching of base Hamekdash walls. Hanukkah as a story of the Yavonim seeking to undermine Jewish marriage. Hanukkah as a mitzvah, menorah as a mitzvah performed every year upon the physical house or adjacent to the physical house. And finally, Hanukkah as a yontif involving milk and cheese. And of course, we know there is a minha to eat dairy food on Hanukkah to commemorate the miracle of Yehudas. Well, this is not stam, a cheesy, yes, pun fully intended, a cheesy zecher. Oh, there happened to be milk or cheese in the Hanukkah story, so we use it too. But no, as with every Yiddish hug, it is an expression of a deeper meaning. When we imbibe milk on Hanukkah, we are affirming the sacred notion of Jewish femininity, the sacred ethos of bias, the entire concept which a mother is, a bias is, ultimately everything Hanukkah is all about. The concept of an inner life, anapnemius, in Jewish life, meaning trumps everything. Beauty, externality, glitz, they have their place, but they are ultimately superficial. From time immemorial, we have refused to allow beauty to strangle meaning, guf and attractiveness to strangle neshama. Chipsonius will never snuff out Pneumius, and that is what Hanukkah is all about.